You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. This is Fired Up Browns with your host, Daniel Garrett, and today we are previewing the Browns' Week 2 matchup against the Houston Texans. It is a 1 o'clock Eastern Time game on Sunday, and we are joined by Sam Walton, who will be my co-host on Tailgate Talk, a new podcast talking about college sports. So, let's get into it. I'm here with Sam Walton, who's going to be one of the co-hosts with me on Tailgate Talk new podcast coming out discussing all things college sports. Sam, how you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm great. So the Browns are hosting the Texans at one o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. The Browns coming off a 33-29 loss to the Chiefs. Did you catch any of this game, Sam? Uh, I caught a little bit of the back end of it. I was out and about doing stuff uh, the second half of the Texans game, so I didn't really catch the beginning part of the, the Browns game, but I did watch uh, the third and fourth quarter a little bit here and there. So, Yeah, well, uh, the Browns up early, pretty big. We're pretty dominant offensively throughout most of the game, actually. It was really turnovers and some defensive mistakes that really led to their downfall. Had a fumble by Chubb and then Gillen fumbled the punt, which was the heartbreaker, just fumbling it deep in your own territory, just picked it up, tried to run, just did not go well. Chiefs got an easy touchdown there. If Even if you could have got anything on the punt, maybe possibly hold them to a field goal. That's the difference in the score there. Obviously, Baker threw a pick late, but not a big deal. It was just trying to make a play to get the comeback going and Overall, solid defensively, and now you got to imagine that a similar game plan will be coming for Brandon Cooks as you had with Tyreek Hill. Not not quite as explosive and dynamic, but still a very good player, very good deep threat, and has a lot of speed. And thought one of the most effective things about the Browns' game plan against Hill was when they ended up later in the game playing a lot of man with Denzel Ward on him thought that was fairly effective that really stopped his ability to get open deep it was a lot of shorter stuff after that point so I wanted to ask what what do you think about Denzel Ward manning up matching up against Brandon Cook some um I think it's going to be a great a great matchup um Denzel Ward obviously one of the better corners in the league um Definitely able to hold Cooks is going to be a big thing. He had 132 yards this last week. He was our by far our top receiver. Um, I think Tyrod's going to be looking for his number, but if Ward is on him the whole game, they're going to have to find something else because I think that's going to be hard for Cooks to get open against him. Yeah, and they the Browns do change up their coverages a lot, but it definitely seemed like 
towards the end crunch time when we really need to stop we went to that either man or some other things such as press quarters and things like that we could run I don't know how I don't remember if we ran any press quarters or anything against the Chiefs but it is something that we could do we do run a lot of just standard quarters we mix it up a good amount so definitely going to see a lot of different coverages early but Tyrod we we've had Tyrod in Cleveland we know him pretty well we know that he is a smart dependable just going to distribute through the offense isn't going to be a dynamic player but well it's effective enough at distributing to open guys now the thing is you need those guys to be open and you look at the Houston Texans receiving core I don't I like some of their players I just don't think they're extremely dynamic to where you're really worried about anybody outside of Cooks like I like I like Nico Collins as a prospect coming out and Amdahl is obviously a veteran coming in. And Anthony Miller was in Chicago, I guess, is probably about the best way to put it. He was there. Uh, Chris Conley, yeah. that, that type guy. And at, at tight end, you also have Farrell Brown, our veteran, and drafted Brevin Jordan, which was a great pick in the fifth. But you look and you just don't have a ton of dynamic players. And obviously, so Mark Ingram was pretty effective. He was your main runner there and Tyrod did yeah. add four for 40 I believe on the ground yes. as well 40 yards but In- Ingram was your main rusher there and it's going to be interesting how well he can do because you guys again won 37.1 pretty pretty much a game where a lot of what the Jags did didn't seem to matter because you guys were up fairly early in that yep. game. So score can be a little deceptive just in terms of how much you guys gave up. I didn't think your I only caught bits and pieces of it, but I didn't think your defense overall was all that bad. And your offensive line, I I do want to ask how well that right side of the offensive line is doing so far. Um they weren't bad. There were a few mistakes. Um, they only allowed one sack, and that came off of the right side. Um, I didn't think they looked awful. I think that if they can minimize the holding calls, they had a couple penalties, um, a couple false starts here and there. But I think if they can minimize the penalties and just focus on their assignments, I think they'll be a lot better off than they were last week. It'll just be trying to figure out that Brown's off uh, defensive line is phenomenal. So I, I really think that that's where the difference this game might end up being is in that offensive line play for the Texans. Yeah, and Kitsy definitely look what the Browns tried to do is they saw a guy in a right side with Lucas Niang and uh, Trey Smith last game where they really tried a lot of stuff over there and just kind of isolated Miles Garrett on the opposite side against a good offensive tackle in Orlando Brown, and he's going to have another tough matchup in Laramie Tunsil again this week. But they really tried a lot of their stunts to be on that right side of the offensive line to really get at those more inexperienced players and obviously Titus Howard isn't as inexperienced but he just hasn't been extremely effective so far throughout his career yeah so I definitely could see them looking at doing something similar just something in that vein where they have 
clowny and tack and all those guys over there and like you said the interior of the defensive line was better as well but they didn't get any sack production so i'm really looking at what the browns can do for sack production coming off of either garrett winning a rep against tunsil who's a very good player that's going to be tough maybe he can get one but i doubt he gets multiple sacks so i'm really looking at a lot of the sack production trying to come from what they can stunt over on the right side against Howard. And then again, Ingram, the Browns, when it comes to that defensive line and the linebackers in particular, with the loss of Phillips for a while, it's definitely a lighter linebacker core in terms of depth. And you are playing guys like Mac Wilson a lot too much. Honestly, he's been very ineffective in his time throughout his entire career. Great worker, tries hard in practice, everything like that. Everything you want in terms of character and effort and all that, but just not a good player and really should not be out there in any scenario. And Malcolm Smith struggled. And really when you have an experienced guy with what looks to be in offensive line that has taken a little bit of a step even if it's not a major step they took a little bit of a step that jaguars pass rush is solid along the edges and holding holding them to just this just one sack is is something that looks promising so really you're looking at pass rush on the right side but a guy like ingram like he doesn't have that same step and explosiveness they had earlier in his career but he can still be effective just off of having that experience and that in football intelligence to know what to do and the linebacker core just struggled like realistically the only ones I thought did pretty well I thought Walker did pretty well and Usakoromo is good in his role and that role Mm -hmm. isn't as effective against runs inside the tackles so it's not as effective there. But in general, I don't – I think that's going to be – if there's a chance for the Texans to win, I think it's going to be running the ball with Ingram. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm, I would also be interested to see how the Texans uh, use Philip Lindsay this week. Uh, they used him last week a couple times on a couple of, like, end-around type plays. Um, he also had a touchdown, which was great. Cause it looked great. Um, it looked like he was getting touches, getting step. Um, but I think having fresh legs will also help that too. Being able to run between the tackles is going to be really important. Like you said, um, I'd just be really interested to see how um, they run Ingram as well as uh, Philip Lindsay. Cause he was, he didn't have very many touches last week, but when he did, they were effective. Yeah. And the Browns just really the only way they're going to get, better against the run is they need Andrew Billings to really step up and you don't have a ton of depth there because Togi was inactive and I would expect him to be inactive for a lot of it so in terms of your bigger one tech type bodies you're really counting on Andrew Billings to step up and he just wasn't very effective and he wasn't very effective over the preseason but he took the year off hopefully you're hoping he can get back to what he was in Cincy and then hope for a better game out of Malcolm Smith, hope for a little bit more in the run game from Taki Taki. And you expect, 
expect Walker to be a solid player. Re- really, you're not going to get a whole lot better. It's going to be the weakness throughout the entire year, probably along the defense. Secondary is yeah. very good. Pass rush is good. Just going to struggle stopping the run, especially in between tackles. And like, like I said, you got to just hope that the guys that you brought in to be run stoppers step up because they just yeah. have not yet. And then in terms of the injury front, Jedrick Wills obviously got hurt in the Browns game and Hubbard filled in and did spectacularly, I thought. He didn't go against Chris Jones a whole lot, so wasn't really facing their number one guy. But he was he was very effective and good in the run game as well. And hopefully Jedrick can come back soon. Unsure of his timetable currently. We're recording this on Tuesday, so pretty early in the week. Not exactly sure when his return will be. And the same can be said for Odell. Odell tried to go out there last Sunday. So hopefully if he's trying to get out there and actually going through warmups the week before, hopefully that means that he can get back onto the field. Because you look, the Browns had a lot of their guys step up about one spot higher than they realistically should be at this point. So you had guys trying to do a little bit more. And they they were actually – pretty effective with it. I, I'm not going to hate on anybody for what they did. Cause I thought overall it was a pretty good game. I thought, I thought Higgins was fairly ineffective, but outside of that, I thought people's Jones and Jarvis and Schwartz all did pretty well. And hopefully with Odell coming back that adds to it and then the tight ends were good too and Joku was our leading receiver actually and just mm-hmm. had a, a, a deep a deep shot that he caught and then a couple more that were pretty pretty good so with him and then Hooper obviously in there and Harrison Bryant gets involved a little bit so I they they were able to piece together enough where it wasn't a problem but you just hope with Odell they can add that dynamic playmaker back into the offense that they've been missing and yeah yeah and we talked about the Texans rushing attack being the problem for the Browns but I definitely think that that goes both ways because you have a very dynamic backfield and Chubb and Hunt and you have a very good probably the best offensive line in the league if Wills is healthy they're they're They invite some debate when it's Hubbard out there because Hubbard is a below average starting tackle, but as your swing tackle, that's great. But when you're talking about a starter, having a below average left tackle isn't very good for your discussion of being the best offensive line in football, but uh, really looking and you look at guys on their roster, they have a lot of experience up front and you look at in the linebacking core, you you know, Browns fans know Christian Kirksey had him for a while, drafted him, and obviously a guy that in the run game can be effective, just struggles a lot in terms of coverage. And yep. from what I've seen of Cunningham, I know he puts up stats a lot at the at will, but I'm not exactly sure. I don't think his actual play level is up to where his stats would indicate, but I do think he's a solid player what what's your thoughts in terms of them being able to stop the run um i 
See, that's that's a big question mark. Last week, the Jaguars did not do a good job running the ball at all. They, we kept them to 76 yards, which is fantastic compared to last year when we were letting up 150 yards a game. That was really nice to see. Um, I know that Chubb and Hunt are two completely different animals when it comes to this week's game versus last week's game. Um, Kirksey looked absolutely fantastic last week. He had two tackles for loss. Um, I, I think a big thing is going to come down to if the defensive line can get penetration and get to things in the backfield. Cause I also think that's where Cunningham gets a lot of his tackles is when he, for um, the defensive line forces the running back to the outside or up the middle and just basically funnels them right into that linebacking spot. Um, I, I really think that that's going to be a key to this week's game is being able to stop the run, being able to hold y'all on third down um, in those short yardage situations. Yeah. And I definitely agree. And I, I do think Kirksey, when you put him in the right role, which is that run stuffing role, he, he can be very effective. It's just a matter of a lot of times if you're, investing in him the way a Cleveland or a Green Bay invested in him you're really looking for a true three down linebacker that's going to be able to go out and cover and he just is not that but when you have that right. lower investment like you guys do he, he can be a very effective player and is beneficial to have it's just a matter of where that investment is in him and last up we have a secondary and so when you look at the secondary it, nothing wow so you like i i like justin reed a lot but other than that you're not looking at a lot of players that really pop but you know some personal favorites of mine i i was always a fan of terrence mitchell i i don't like him as a starter necessarily like we had to deal with that last year but he's passable preferably would be a little bit lower in the depth chart but he's a very passable player and right then you're looking at you took some chances with some guys. You brought in Vernon Hargraves, very athletic player, has work ethic concerns, just not a guy that always practices super hard. And love right. him uh, as a Florida guy. I absolutely love Hargraves. But, you know, if you're not going to work, you w wished he yeah. had a – Wished Hargraves had his skills and Mac Wilson's work ethic. Because yeah. that, that would be a great corner. Now, the problem is Mac Wilson has the work ethic and not the talent, and Hargraves has the talent and not the work ethic. So, and then right. you also have former Brown again, Tavier Thomas, who one of the Browns fans' least favorite players in the world, I believe. <laughs> but as a depth corner, it's fine. He's going to contribute a lot to special teams, and he's very good in that. Just really do not want him to play. And, uh, again, your your bright spot on this defense, I definitely think, is Justin Reed, very good player at safety. Yes. And you also have Jimmy Moreland I'm looking at on the roster. Don't know how much he played. I think I saw maybe one or two snaps with him in the game and they ended up being uh, run plays anyway. So he wasn't really in on the play. Yeah. And then your other corner that I did not mention is Desmond King, a player that I was actually lobbying the Browns to try to get, but the Browns in term, that was when he was traded to Tennessee and the Browns just typically are not going to under this regime 
make midseason trades for draft capital that's anything more than like a six they just right. do not do that and desmond king good corner just well a little bit small but overall pretty good corner not necessarily a guy you would want as a number one and that's the thing you look throughout this entire texans roster and you look well that you know that guy would be pretty good in a smaller role pretty much across the entire roster which yeah not great but in terms of you turn this around and added so many free agents this year, you signed a lot of guys where you can draft the guys. Now at this point, you draft the guys that can be, you only have to get that top player at each position. You don't have to build the depth up. You built the depth up through, through free agency. Now all you need to get is those top guys. So in terms of their future, I actually, as long as they can find the quarterback and, no idea about Davis Mills. I wasn't super high on him coming out. You're you're yeah. grimacing a little bit there with, Mills, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a questionable pick there on my in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree there. But really, if you can get the quarterback spot figured out, you know, you add a you add another receiver to move everyone down there. You add a couple players along the defensive front, and then you add a corner maybe two to this team and you're really cooking there because of that depth that you guys added and it it looks good for the future but I just don't know how effective that's going to be for you guys this year obviously got the early win got that off your back and you do get to play the Jags again and so that can be beneficial in terms of getting your win total up, or it could be detrimental in terms of getting you away from if one of these quarterbacks really emerge as a stud in college. If, if you win two games against the Jags, it could really hurt you there, but let's go into some predictions here. Let's first start off with the MVP of the game. Okay. Uh, my MVP I have as Nick Chubb. Um, I, I don't know if the Texans front is going to be able to stop the run like they did last week. Um, Yale's offensive line is much better than Jacksonville's. Um, Chubb and Hunt together are going to be dynamic, especially compared to what we saw last week. Um, and I really just think he's going to go off against this. I think we're going to be seeing the Texans run defense from last year instead of from last week. Yeah. And it, it's just tough because I do think in terms of the combination of Offensive line, running back, depth at both. This has an argument. Obviously, with the Ravens, you have Lamar added into the running game, but this definitely has an argument for the best rushing attack because we have a better O-line than anyone else. We have even it probably two top 15 running backs at worst, I would say, with Hunt. And I think Chubb's top five, that's – there's arguments there. There's really a tier of about seven guys that are really good if I'm yeah. doing math correctly, but really just a ton of guys that can be effective. So I definitely think the running game can be super, super effective here. But the reason I'm not going to go with Chubb is because I think they really do, especially early in the season, want to split carries a lot with Chubb and Hunt. So I think it's going to be pretty even split. And last week it was as well. And the funny thing was last week, both ended up averaging five and a half yards of carry on the dot 
which it's great. It's also hilarious that two running backs end up with the exact same with a good amount of workload. And they didn't have the exact same amount of carries or the exact same amount of yards, but they ended up with same average there. And instead of going with that, just because of the split there, going with Baker Mayfield, just extremely effective. You had the interception, which makes the stat sheet look worse, and he didn't have a touchdown. However, he very easily could have not very easily, but there was an argument where that he had he was the better quarterback in the first half of that game. Obviously, you want to see him go the entire game with being the better quarterback, but you just can't do that with Mahomes. Mahomes made Mahomes plays, and you can't realistically expect Baker to keep up with that. But I thought he was an effective quarterback, really showed a lot of what he did last year, but you had a more dynamic downfield threat with Njoku being healthy again. That adds a great athletic freak just running down the seam for you. And then Schwartz downfield, his field stretching was just absolutely dynamic. And he ended up with three catches for 69 yards, I believe. And had, had another one where if the corner hadn't, the throw was a little bit off, throw was a little bit behind his body. It was, should have been over the outside shoulder. It was towards the inside shoulder and he had to kind of turn around. And then the corner made a good play and knocked the ball out. So could have had even more because that would have been an explosive, probably 30 plus yard catch again there for him. But I can transition this here to the sleeper and sleeper being someone that's going to contribute to winning. And I think that can be Anthony Schwartz. He's going to be my sleeper. I just think he's a guy where I've been on this for the Browns. What the Browns need to do, I think they can get away with it against some teams. And no offense, but the Texans are one of the teams that they can get away with some stuff. And that that mainly is turnovers and lack of explosive plays. But when you really play the better teams, they need to get they need to start the habit now of having explosive plays. That was something they severely lacked in the passing game. You can, you can nickel and dime all day, just get five, 10 yards in the passing game, but it's not going to be nearly as effective as just having one 40 yard bomb to Anthony Schwartz. It's just simply a more efficient way to play. Even if that means you have a couple incompletions, they're attempting it, but I do think they need to get in the habit of it. And I think Schwartz, has a realistic chance here to just be the fastest player on the field when he's on offense. When the Browns are on offense, he's the fastest player on the field. So let him be the fastest player on the field. And I think they're going to try again. They involved him a lot in the rushing game, not just in terms of actually giving him ball. I believe he only had one carry, but they did do a lot of motion with him and the Browns are going to be one of the most motion heavy teams pre-snap in the league. And Schwartz is a big one for that, just because when you motion him across the, across the formation, they have to look at him to get the ball because he's just that fast and that dynamic. So I really do think he's going to be a superb role player. Obviously it's a role. He's not going to be a stud, but I think he's going to be really good in that and, that role is going to help us win this game. Who's who's your sleeper for this game? 
Uh, my sleeper, I had Danny Amendola. I think he is a great veteran slot receiver. Um, he came in last week. I believe that he was um, signed two days before the game started. Yep. He didn't have a lot of time to uh, get to know the playbook. Um, I think he had 34 yards and a touchdown last week. So I think looking to him more, I think Tyrod, that's going to help Tyrod Taylor a lot, especially since we bootleg him a lot. Um, I I think if Danny Amendola has a good game and he can get open, he's going to create mismatches over the middle, and that can be our end to scoring more and hopefully keeping us in the game, I think. Yeah, and I definitely think this game will transition here into our last predictions here. I do think the Texans are going to stay in it early. I just think towards the end, the Browns kind of run away with it. I think this is about a – you're looking at probably a one-score game at the half, realistically, and I think just what Nick Chubb does best is late in games, you have Chubb, you have Hunt, you're just – bruising you the entire game and then Chubb just has a tendency to be able to break one or two off late and that's probably what is going to be a difference here in terms of score I have the Browns winning 38-21 I do think the Texans stay in this for a long time I do think the Texans are probably better than most people gave them credit for preseason so I I do think they can stay in this game and Really, one of the main reasons for that, we've mentioned him a lot, is Tyrod Taylor being at the helm. You look at, now obviously, last year you had Watson as your quarterback and still ended up with the third pick, right? Yep, yes, third pick. And you just, you can't expect a whole lot more, but I think the overall roster talent around him has improved. You do have more depth throughout, like we mentioned earlier. And then having just a guy in there, instead of having to play Davis Mills or some other rookie that you picked in the third round, you have a veteran presence who can run the offense. And yep. it's it's not the best thing in the world, but it's enough to make you a competent team. And that is – I. I don't think it's a huge win difference between what people thought preseason and what Browns fans are actually going to see on Sunday in terms of wins. But I think what the Browns fans see on Sunday is a competent team. And I think when you, when people talk about two, three win teams in terms of expectations, you don't expect competence. I think that's really the big difference between what's expected of the Texans and what they are. Yeah. And I, I really, I agree with that. Um, and I think the big thing is all those guys we picked up in free agency, which you touched on earlier. Um, we have a ton of veteran guys that know the league, know how it works. Um, they have the ability. It's just, they haven't been necessarily in the best situation before, or they're kind of restarting after an injury over here or whatever, but I think they have a lot of experience. And I think that that's what people are going to realize throughout the season, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a very tough matchup, but it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk for any team, but I I would still expect the Browns to win this one. Seems like a comfortable score, but you know, the Texans will give them a little bit of, little bit of trouble early on here and so what's your prediction for this game um my prediction was 38 24 very similar to yours um 
whether there's a field goal here or there um, that yeah. you could probably take out, whether they go for it on fourth or whatever, depending on the situation that they're in. But I think, like you said, the Texans keep it close for the first half. And then I think that um, I just don't think they can keep up throughout the whole game, like you were saying. So um, 38-24 is my prediction. The Browns win in that. Yep. And thank you for coming on a lot, Sam. And you can catch us on tailgate talk. We'll be tweeting it out as well. So check, check out our Twitters for links on that. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me. That'll wrap it up for us here today on fired up Browns. Again, thank you to Sam Walton for coming on the show today to preview the Browns game against the Texans. We will be back next week to recap the Browns week two game against the Houston Texans and also to preview the Browns week three game against the Chicago Bears. Let's go Browns and let's get fired up.